Hey, podcast audience, welcome to episode 76 of the Clarity Compressed Podcast. My name is Paul J. Daly. I will be your host, and today we're talking about mental agility. Clarity can only really exist in the light of truth. Branding just isn't a tactic. It's a lifestyle change. Brand is only about your customer, your listener, your relationships, whoever's on the other side of that. If you're thinking in terms of brand, you're thinking in terms of the other people. If you're not thinking in terms of the other people, then you're not thinking about it the right way. I am so excited for today's episode because in so many ways, the podcast has come full circle and I'll explain why. Today's guest is a woman by the name of Dr. Nicole Lipkin. Um, she's out of Philly, so she's already kind of a favorite because she understands how to live in the best city in the world. But she's um, a psychologist. She's had a private practice. She's a consultant. Um, she's more educated than I will ever be. And uh, she talks about mental agility and organizational health and relational health and has a really great perspective because she's not only done clinical work, individual one-on-one, but she does organizational work now, um, consults with a lot of businesses, a lot of organizations on how to just be healthy. And I'll let her talk about that more. So um, this is a great interview. Oh, the reason it, it's come full circle, and I'll talk about this in a second, I, I, do, I do say it to uh, Nicole, is that she was the very, very, very first person I ever podcasted it. And I kind of had to do my best to pretend I knew what I was doing. So uh, we talk about that in the beginning because she didn't know that, which I guess means I kind of did a good job of, at faking it. Um, but I really value her opinion. I think you're going to love her. I think you're going to love her opinion um, and her perspective on industry, on relationship. And uh, she's a new mom too. So that's always fun to talk about, you know, the most important things in life. So I hope you enjoy getting to know Dr. Nicole Lipkin. So thank you so much for spending some time with us today on the Clarity Clarity Compressed audience. Um, it's so been great. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's the best. And you're near Philly. So it's like, this is like my favorite podcast already. Awesome. <laughs> it's so awesome. Just like what, that. What you may not know, and I don't think anybody else uh, in uh, our audience knows, is that the very first podcast I ever recorded in my entire life was with you. Really? Back at the CBT uh, convention. You were the very first. I tried to fake it. Like I really knew what I was doing. You totally faked it well. Yes. Wow. Yes. I, I did not know that. Impressive. So it, it's cool to see this come full circle. And I feel like now we actually have an audience to yeah. hear you and uh, kind of learn from you know your experience and your input. So thanks for joining us. This has been a long That's time awesome. coming. And <laughs> uh, so I'm excited for round two. Awesome. Um, so the topic today, and you do a, let's first, why don't you give like the 60 second uh, summary of what do you do? Why do you love doing it? Yeah. And uh, we'll start there. Okay. So I am an organizational psychologist. So what that means is that I go into organizations and I work with leadership teams and I look at the culture and I make teams and cultures uh, work as best as they can, help people reach their potential, help cultures reach their potential. So I'm the CEO of Equilibrium Leadership Consulting. So we do executive coaching, leadership development, cultural assessment and and consulting. And I'm also the founder of Young Leader Project, which is a leadership development program for kiddos. Um, 
Eight, what ages? Uh, yeah. uh, seven to 11. We're targeting seven to 11. You know, when kids That's... are starting to stop looking inward and look outward and see their impact on the world and wow. it's, they impact the world. So yeah, so that's my background. That's what and, I do. And you also have a practice. Is that is that right? Uh, yeah. Well, so I also own Equilibrious Psychological and Consultation Services. Yep. That's a 35-person therapy practice. I, I own it, but I have a leadership mm-hmm. team running it. So I, I yep. no longer do clinical work. I do more executive coaching, leadership development, that kind Got of work. Got you. Yeah. But you came up through doing a lot yeah. of clinical work, I right? Came up, yeah, I'm a psychologist. So I came up doing clinical work. I had a I had an MBA and a doctoral in clinical psychology and combined those things to be doing organizational psychology. How fun. You know, so I like fun. that. Love it. That combination is great, I think, because people that just go into the business world and organizational psych, they don't have the advantage of really getting their minds around like the root issues like yeah. you see them play out in a business yeah but the closer you get to it you realize like these are like the same issues they're just manifesting in this organizational yeah. way the bottom line is like until we're all robots until the robots take over it's humans that we're working with and so therefore you need to understand human behavior and you probably have the most job security <laughs> you probably have more job security than anybody in the planet because people are always going to be messed up and they're always going to try to understand why I do what I do. Right. Hopefully so the ro- people are trying to understand what they do, what they do, why they do what they do. Hopefully. That's all well, that's really the, important, but not everyone has it. No, that's the differentiator between people you want to work with and for and people you don't exactly. want to work with and for. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So um, today we're going to talk around the topic. You've written on it some, and I know you've been you've re- really developing a lot more around the concept, yeah. which I think is super relevant. Of, of mental agility. And this macro concept, it doesn't take a rocket science to understand, maybe it takes an MBA and doctor, but to, to understand that like all the things that we're facing in our modern economy are a result of just this velocity of change yeah. that is seems almost impossible to keep up with. It's just this hamster wheel. Yeah. And starting to see the evidences and the separation between the people who can be agile and the people who can't, and the yeah. companies that can be agile and the companies who can't, and the teams that can be agile and the teams that can't. Yeah. And so I think that's become really clear that that's a differentiator. Yeah. But there's this whole race, it seems like, to how do we keep up with it? Yeah. How do we build teams that are agile? How do we keep a mental framework that's agile? So, um, how would you, even, let's start by you defining, what do you define as mental agility? Yeah, so I define it a little bit differently than kind of what you would, if you, if you, if you looked it up, how it's defined, like keeping our brains agile, like as we mm-hmm. age. So the way mm-hmm. I define it is working with your own mindset and working with how you approach people and the world and the environment to be as open as possible, to be as mm-hmm. flexible mentally as possible. Because mm-hmm. the bottom line, when you think about, when you think about our world right now, like you think about wars or, or, or politics or religion or everything, everything stems from the inability to be agile, to be so stuck in your ways and biased with your own point of view that you right. can't see another person's point of view. You're and that, rigid, right? You're the rigid. opposite would be rigidity, right? Right. And that yeah. makes us, that that creates fights, it creates arguments, it creates my way or the highway kind of thinking, which immediately mm-hmm. causes this with other people. So okay. it's kind of the art and science of keeping our brains and our minds open and flexible to see other ways so we can shift and move and be agile and be quick. Mm-hmm. So that being the definition, why did you 
Like, why did you say this is something I want to focus on? Do you, are you yeah. seeing like the evidence that like this is what the majority of people need? Like, this is a root issue that will help solve a lot of other issues. Like, why this? You know, it's something I've always been interested in, but it became really interesting to me around the last election. Um, and and what's happened in our culture since that last election or our society Mm -hmm. in that last election. One of the things I noticed, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm very opinionated when it comes to politics and I had very strong views Mm -hmm. and, um, just like a lot of people had very strong views. Sure. And I found that my brain hurt. I was trying really (laughs) hard to see. I think a lot of people (laughs) felt that way. Still hurting. Uh, it's hurting a little bit as, as soon as I see like the first debate come up. I'm like, oh man, I hate this so much. Right, it's about to happen it's so again. much. But okay, I, so I you found, felt like your brain hurt. Yeah, I found that I was I was really trying. I was like, Nicole, you need to be open minded. You need to not be so you know not stuck in your ways, not judgmental. And I found that I was trying really, really, really hard to listen to opposing points of view, mm-hmm. and. It was interesting because I would like step back and watch myself listening and trying mm-hmm. to have conversations with people who felt differently than I did. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where my brain hurt. And, 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 and I found like, oh, my God, I am so I am so and I'm not going to I'm so on this side yep. that it's actually so hard for me to hear other people like it's it's creating it's it, it, it's creating this big like chasm in my, in my ability to relate to other people. And yeah. I was like, wait, this is something. And this is bringing it out. Right. Cause if you even think of your background, like when you go through education and even like psychology, right. You used to just thinking of things in a lot of different ways, accepting a lot of different theories, seeing how they play out. Right. So this is kind of the opposite of what kind of you naturally do. Right, right. open-minded right. to the possibilities and the right. solutions, right? So this is opposite of your mentality. It's opposite, but and I consider myself an extremely open-minded person. But as I started facing this wall, I kind of was looking at the rest of my life. I'm like, wow, I am, even though I'm a very open-minded person, there's so much I'm closed off to doing. Like even like when I wake up in the morning, my routine in the morning is also a very kind of, even though routinizing is fantastic, it's a very mm-hmm. closed-minded way of doing things. Sure, it's the habits, the habit it, loops, right? right? So I was like, there's something here that really, it's its so profound. It impacts our ability to relate to our own selves, to other people, mm-hmm. how we choose to live life, let alone the impact on business and personalized, professional and personal. It, it, it's such a profound thing. And so I was like, okay, I really want to delve into this, into the study of agility and how we can train our minds to be open like that, where it doesn't take so much effort. Right. And your head doesn't hurt. Where it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> And so how far how far along are you in developing your thinking? Like can you can you unpack it just a little bit like what your initial findings or your initial thought process is on how we like what the answer is to that? Yeah, sure. So I think when you're thinking about agility, you're thinking about one one aspect that ties into it is our, is our natural resistance to change, right? Mm-hmm. So everything in our body is designed to maintain equilibrium. Everything in our body, the ways our mind's designed, the way our our our, our chemistry, everything, nervous mm-hmm. system, it's designed to maintain equilibrium. Maintain equilibrium. And so when one thing goes out of whack, our system goes nuts. There's a natural resistance to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So our bodies are designed to resist change and for good reason because if we had to constantly change it, it, it would be exhausting we'd be just mm-hmm. ugh, you know is it is it does it really as primal as survival does it's it like primal, go yes. that low 
Okay. It is. Right. So, if I know what it is right now yep. and I'm alive and I'm well, and if something changes, that's danger. Right. Is it kind of like that? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it just, again, it's, it's what your body runs and your mind runs in a certain way, like anything impacting it, any, anything changing its course or direction causes upheaval. We don't want mm-hmm. that. We want to mm-hmm. expend as little energy as possible. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, so, so keeping that in mind, if that's what our natural way, that's the natural human way is to resist change. Mm-hmm then what can we do? And if the natural human way is to resist change, the natural human way is to not be agile, mm-hmm. right? It's to not right. be flexible. Hold my ground, Right. be rigid. Right. So my thinking and research has been like, okay, if that's the natural human way, what are the things that kind of surround this that, that we can control? Because we can't control that. We can't control that we resist change, that we are not agile. Mm-hmm. people or humans. Right. Hard, that's hardwiring. Hardwired. But yep. the things that we do know is we do know that psychological biases, when we understand them, we do know that those can be counteracted. Mm-hmm. We do know that exhaustion is something that kind of pounds us down. Exacerbates and, it, yeah. Yeah, gets in the way of us being agile. We do mm-hmm. know that we can mm-hmm. address that. We do know mindset is something that impacts our agility. So we know that there's certain things that impact our agility that we do have some control over. Mm-hmm. And so that, though, and those are three examples of things we have some control over. Gotcha. So like you, you're to, to bring that back down, you're saying like, okay, we're hardwired to be rigid, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a primal natural thing to saying like, I don't want to mess up the, the equilibrium. I don't want to mess up my chi, right? Things are going well. Yep. A new thing or a different thing has the potential to do that. Yes. Yes. But, the next step is that knowing that's the case hardwired, we can't change that. We can change all these other things around us, right? Our mindset, our perspective, our mental model, like all these things yes. that can now make us position better to be more agile and not get so exhausted by change. Right. We can, and also managing our exhaust, we can manage our exhaustion too. So like these right. things, yes, like, like it's not like, it's not like we're not going to get exhausted. It's not like we're going to not have a mindset that makes us not agile. It's not like we're not going to have these psychological biases right. that keep us in ruts. We're Happens. going to, but being self-aware mm-hmm. about what they are mm-hmm. and what it means and how to address them, mm-hmm. that that is a step toward agility. That makes complete sense. Thinking of that, like from, let's talk about some of the organizations you deal with, yeah, right? So you go into a situation and they say, come help us. And since you have this fresh outsider perspective, you go in and immediately you can probably see the things that are wrong. Yeah. Right. Or, or you can start to, to see the evidences. Stuck. Right. So you see the, the stuckness. Yeah. Um, so what, how do you approach that? Like when you right. go in and you see, actually, we'll start here. What are the most common things you see that get organizations stuck? Well, I think, you know, that's a good question. I think. I think it's having the same people in the same room making the same damn decisions over and over and over again. You know, if you look at, you know, and, and, and one of the things I wrote about in my book, if you look at some of the big, big organizations that have been taken down, it's because of this. Yep. Like, you know, I think one of the most interesting ones is remember borders. <laughs> okay. Yep. Right. I sure do. Like, <laughs> I do. Bye bye. But, you know, it's really yep. interesting what happened to borders. So Amazon starts taking over the world and Barnes and Noble says, mm-hmm. you know what? We have to shift our model. We have to yep. start focusing on our online strategy. 
Yep. They saw the similar yeah. thing. And right? Reuters was they like, got it. okay, oh, oh crap, this is coming after us. We should just do what we've always been doing. And they focused on their brick mm-hmm. and mortar st- strategy. So they yep. were, Let's make this yeah. better. Let's make this sinking ship yeah. look better. So I think that kind yeah. of stuff of this like, um, and then, and then you get into this kind of group think thing going on where you don't want to challenge the status quo. You don't. And I understand it. Like you've been doing great. Yeah. You have had like market domination. You've been doing fantastic for a really long time. And then all of a sudden yep. something comes along and like Amazon's it's like, you got to change. That's super, yep. super hard to stop doing something you've been doing so well for so long and shift. Yep. So I think one of the things that goes wrong is again, having the same people making the same decisions in the same room. So no fresh thinking introduced. You gotta bring outside people and you gotta bring people that are gonna be objective and then are gonna challenge. It's about taking the emotion out of the room, dealing with the emotion. Mm -hmm. You can't ignore it, dealing with the emotion. It's sad, it's a loss, you grieve over that. But then yeah. bringing in <laughs> fresh perspectives and a way to do, you know, there's ways to walk people through that kind of thinking. So I'm um, going to pivot to another thing I've been thinking about. I heard I heard on a podcast, uh, it was a reporter, uh, David Epstein was his name. And um, he talked about this, this uh, study that was done and they talked about the ability to take on new yeah. things and do well at them. And he said, so they had one team and they trained them. I think it was like uh, it was like emergency preparedness, mm-hmm. I believe was the example. And they trained one team to handle like two or three scenarios and they drilled on that nonstop, these two or three scenarios. And then they took a second team and they threw something different at them every mm-hmm. day. And it was really frustrating because they can never really get yeah. good at it, right? And then they, after they went through a month of this, they put them together and they started throwing the same scenario at mm-hmm. each of them, right? And they realized that the team that had a different one every day destroyed the team that drilled on the two or three things mm-hmm. every day. And even in a very short amount of time, the, the team that did something different every day even started beating out the team on the specific situations that they had done mm-hmm. more of. And, and so I just, what's your thought or That's response to that? So, you know, because naturally you would think the team that had the practice would be better. Like it would be second nature. Right, being real precise. Yeah. Of- but, you know, what's interesting, and I think in emergency situations when you need to mm-hmm. turn, when your brain gets, when adrenaline shoots up and your brain, it's fight and flight. Mm-hmm. In those kind of mm-hmm. situations, having rote memory of just, you know, walk down the stairs, get out the building or whatever it is. That's right. Muscle memory just doing this. Is, yeah. is what you want. Yeah. But for tasks that are constantly changing or things thrown at you, you know, that other Mm -hmm. team, and and I haven't read the research, but my assumption here is the other team was actually practicing being able to shift and move and Mm -hmm. and practicing kind of... um, Communication. Yeah. Practicing Right, pivoting. Right? Yeah, practicing right. agility. So, yeah, so I heard that thought of thought of this conversation, or just wondering what your thought was yeah. on that. I didn't, I didn't even think about that. Like, if you know it's the same thing every time, like a lot of things, athletics and muscle memory. Exactly. You don't. You right? stop thinking. But there's no variable. Right. You know, there's no variable. If you're running, you know, all the second a variable comes in, you're in trouble. If like, uh, what I just, what was it? I just read a story about uh, Peyton Manning in a mm-hmm. Super Bowl, and prior to the game, he practice with waterlogged footballs mm. after everybody else went home because there's a possible it was an outdoor Super Bowl as possible and it did yeah. rain and they crushed it and they were saying like oh he 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 practiced the variable but in life and in business 
we rarely get to know exactly what the variable is right. going to be. Right, but if you're practicing being agile, if you're practicing having to shift and maneuver all the time, you know, yep. it, you might be exhausted, <laughs> but but yeah. you, you can handle what comes at you. That's that's what happened. They were getting really tired of the constant shifting, but they were more prepared. Um, do you still work in automotive? Yeah. Do you do stuff yeah, in I automotive do. Absolutely. still? Absolutely, absolutely. So we do a lot in automotive and like, so I get to travel around and visit lots of dealer groups all over the country and automotive is in this, is in the season where all of the old ways are just oh, being destroyed. Yeah. And I go to dealer groups and you, they will mentally and verbally acknowledge that things are different and they still don't change or they still are really resistant like well this is the way it has to be done and i'm really i'm really watching like the five to maybe 10 is probably generous but the five-ish percent of people of dealers and dealer groups who are willing to like they have a, an agile organization and they're willing to recognize mm -hmm. it i'm just watching them just get on the horse and start to pull away mm -hmm. like because we have we have a pretty big automotive yeah. audience um what what would you say to the automotive industry? Because you, I don't. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing or what you've done in automotive yeah. and who you've consulted yeah, with? Yeah, so I've done. You know, I've I've done a lot of speaking in the automotive industry around actually mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And because you know, traditionally, leadership development in the automotive industry wasn't always prioritized. So, yeah. yeah, no, so no, it was salesmen become sales manager right. becomes right. general manager. Selling, so we're going to keep on promoting you, promoting you, but we're not going to give you the skills on how to actually lead people and how to lead teams. Right. And now the industry demands it. It's a much more sophisticated yes. business yes. than it was 20 years ago, even 10 right. years ago. And people development is more important than ever. And it's almost for most dealerships, it's the first time it's really become um, a necessity. It's becoming a necessity. I would say there's still a lot of resistance to do it, but I do that. Oh yeah. Um, I've done a lot of speaking around kind of shifting, um, the shifting consumer base and shifting employee, mm. like what, what employees yep. look like now and what consumers look yep. like now and, and, and what's desired and what's wanted as well as getting mm -hmm. people to kind of start shifting their, shifting their old ways. But I have found that the industry in general is a very slow moving dinosaur. Um, and mm -hmm. you know, I think we always talk about this. The problem yeah. is, is that it's a slow moving dinosaur, but there are, like you said, some, some that are pulling away and the ones that are pulling away, given, given this world that we live in, where you can mm -hmm. buy a car anywhere, you don't mm -hmm. have to deal with that. I know where they all you are, You don't have to right? deal with that experience. You, you don't even have to deal with the salesperson anymore. You don't have to deal with anything yep. you don't want to deal with. So the truth is, is the ones that are pulling away are the ones that will survive. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it's not, it is an industry for the consumer where the consumers don't have to deal with bad experiences anymore. We just don't have mm -hmm. to. So, yeah. you know, it's a shape up or shift out kind of industry, which is not the yep. case which is like, for example, like hospitals, you know, that like that, like medical, <laughs> medical or healthcare is a very, very, very big, big dinosaur, but people will yep. still go to their local hospital because that's an emergency. Yeah. We're going as quick as possible. So there you have it. My conversation with Dr. Nicole Lipkin. Um, we're going to link all her information up below in the comments. She is worth paying attention to follow her on social by the books. Uh, they're just very insightful and 
you know, you can kind of get a lot out of them just on a surface level because the, some of the principles are just very clear. But also I would say that her books, if you like understanding the biology beneath the thinking and some of the more uh, heady, I'll call it the heady things that are kind of above my pay grade. But if you like taking a deeper dive, the book also helps you take a deeper dive if you're the kind of person that likes that. So again, just glad to make the introduction. Thank you so much for listening and watching whatever you're doing today. Uh, it, it means a lot that you spent some of that attention here with us and this audience. A lot of things going on, a lot of cool things coming. Got some announcements I really want to make, but we still need to get a few more pieces in place before I do. Oh, see these hats? See that? Well, I am going to be making these hats available. Uh, I ordered some samples in. I want to make sure the quality is right before I sell anything. So um, should have some to show you soon and hopefully get them passed around so um, we can kind of expand this clarity community and have some little bit of reminders throughout our day to pursue clarity. So that's my reminder to you now and the rest of this week and probably for the rest of my life is that I hope you pursue clarity. Thanks for spending some time here. Talk to you soon.